Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Now, Taylor writes in. He says, Roddy, why do you keep that microphone in front of your face? I find it a little distracting, but enjoy the show otherwise. How about that? I moved it because my chiropractor said, Rod, your neck is getting screwed because you're leaning over this microphone all the time. Can you prop it up? My micro- my chiropractor is very happy. Oh, yeah. You guys aren't. I don't know what to do. Been in radio for 30 years. I never worried about what it looked like. This is the Rod Peterson Show. Yeah, hello, everybody. Are you seated comfortably? Now let's begin, because we're fired up. We're ready to go on a football Friday. I've been waiting all week to do it. We're broadcasting from the South Florida studio. That's one half of the show here on Game Plus TV, WQEE Radio. Hello, Ryan O'Radio. I hope that voice is coming around. And Darren Moose-Dupont joins us from the sweatpants capital of the world, Canada's football capital. Saskatchewan, Canada. Hello, Moose. Welcome to the program today. I want to tell everybody who our guests are. It's a busy one, so we got to get right to it. Jim Barker will join us from CFL on TSN. Uh, from the Mark cast in Seattle, our good friend Reed Johnson to talk all things football, but probably primarily the merger of the XFL, USFL, and uh, mental coach Shane McGowan, former Ottawa Rough Rider, USC Trojan, mental coach Shane McGowan is going to join us to talk some ball in hour two. And Moose, we don't have a lot of time with you in this segment. I will just say here's the roadmap, everybody. Warm up here, as many topics as we can get to of the quick six. Jim Barker next. And then in hour two, We'll kick off with a full segment on NFL, deal or no deal, week three, and then more CFL stuff on a very big weekend there. So, hey, Darren, we got the football covered. What do you think? Yeah, I think we got the football covered. But I know we're going to talk a lot of college and NFL, but off, the, off camera before the show, you were talking about high school football. What's going on with high school football down there in South Florida? Because it's got to be big. Uh, listen, I'm going to try to make this real quick. Uh, I'm glad you asked, but what's going on? Last night, Miami Central taking on Chaminade Madonna. Chaminade Madonna. Uh, it was on ESPN2. Listen, people, because I'm going on these Canadian shows, and they're asking me, Rod, what's the U.S. high school football situation down there? Uh, <laughs> Everybody's playing tonight, but last night was the featured game. The number four and number five ranked team in all of America were to play last night in Miami Central High School. ESPN2 was set to broadcast it, Darren. It was a two-hour weather delay. I didn't go down there. I actually uh, went to bed. I'm like, God, they're not going to play this. It's high school football. No, they played it, and they were talking about it on the radio this morning. And Tom Herman was at the game, the coach of FAU. Mario Cristobal was there, the coach of the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, all, every college scout. And I believe Chaminade Madonna won the football game. But I'm like, it's not, you don't understand. Like in Canada, a lot of high-level sports, they would go, ah, it's raining too long, let's just go home. No, we're playing the damn game. And it's on ESPN too. And be, during the weather, they had weather updates throughout the whole thing I, I, on ESPN too about what was going on in Miami here. It was raining all night. I'm like, God, they'll never play it. And I'm glad that you asked because tonight I'm going to go to a game. 
Uh, my guy, Cardinal Gibbons, Matt DeBuck, they're playing down in Plantation against American Heritage. And I'm going to go wearing my CFL stuff that the CFL sent me, and people are going to be going nuts about it. Because everywhere I have a CFL backpack that I wear quite often, and people are always pawing at it. Oh, the CFL. What do you have to do with the CFL? What, what, do, you, what do you think about the CFL? Meetings of my club, people go nuts. I'll be wearing a ball cap tonight, and the people will be trying to rip it off my head in Plantation, Florida. The CFL is an effing big deal down here, Darren. But if I wore all that stuff around in Canada, people would think I was weird. I don't understand it. Is it because it's a football state? Or, like, it is a freaking big deal here. I'm not joking. Because they're watching the games yeah. on CBS Sports Network. Does that sound like an environment that you'd be interested in? It's pretty awesome. Pretty cool. I mean... Look at these football players. They want to play pro ball, and the CFL is pro yeah. ball for them. And not many of them get to go play in the NFL. Um, I mean, for the 1%, it's NFL or bust. I get it. For the top 1%. But for everybody else, that's real pro football where you can get paid to play ball pretty good for, your, for, your, for a living. That's pretty awesome. So I like that it has a, a great reputation in the U.S. Well, I'm telling anybody, if you want just... Come on down here, pay the bucks, and just spend a football weekend in the fall and just soak it up, and you would understand a little bit. It just isn't like, it's not even comp comparable to hockey in Canada. It's more. It's more. Way more, actually, which is very hard to believe. Can you hit the quick six show horn, please, Director Jordan? And then we'll go from there. Uh, just to get through the sports topics, the Toronto Blue Jays ran into a hot Garrett Cole and fell short of a three-game sweep of the New York Yankees with a 5-3 loss Thursday night. The Jays hold the second of three American League wildcard spots still, but they failed to gain ground on the idle Mariners and Rangers, whom they lead with a uh, half game with nine games to go in the regular season. It's getting tense there. Thursday night football, most did you stay up for that? Christian McCaffrey scored a touchdown in his 12th straight game. Brock Purdy threw two touchdown passes, and the San Francisco 49ers won their 13th straight regular season game, 30-12 to over the New York Giants. With the win, the Niners earned their second 3-0 and start in the past 25 seasons. New York finished with only 150 yards offense total. Down here today... On the shows, they're talking about, do they overpay Daniel Jones in the offseason, the Giants? I'm like, it's a little late for that discussion, guys. But uh, what was your take on Thursday Night Football? Yeah, we got another taste of, of uh, the 49ers, and they're absolutely a Super Bowl contender, maybe a Super Bowl favorite. They're one of the best teams in the league. And, you know, we talked about Lionel Messi yesterday and who touches him. When you show when he plays, they win. Um, Brock Purdy. Is kind of going down that path, Mr. Irrelevant. I mean, he, he's setting records for early starts of the career, you know, and um, not sure everybody says he's not going to be able to keep this up, and all he does every week is keep winning and keep throwing touchdown passes. So it's a wonderful story, and uh, this is a very, very dangerous San Francisco team. Spread was about 10.5 points. And they won by, uh, we've established I'm bad at math, but they won by 18. And by the way, my guy, Chris Sanford, my buddy from the Bronx, he put a bet on that last night, his Giants. I'm like, come on, are you going to give me 14 points? Chris, this isn't even fair. And he's like, no, straight up, I won again. I think he just likes going for chicken lunches. And I, I think he likes, he just likes going for lunch. And he's, he's, he's happy to, you know what I mean? So I'm happy to go.
but uh, pretty soon he's going to stop betting on the Giants. Hey, we do have hockey sponsors here on the program, so I wanted to say one hockey thing, and it's interesting. If the NHL, point three, has its way, youth in Australia will soon be playing street hockey just like their counterparts across the pond. The NHL attempting to build on its first foray into the Southern Hemisphere with two preseason games with the LA Kings and Arizona Coyotes Saturday and Sunday in Melbourne are expanding their NHL street hockey program to Australia. The program is designed for children aged 6 to 16. The North American version has incorporated various aspects of previously successful NHL club programs in non-traditional hockey markets such as Las Vegas, Nashville, and Tampa, Florida. So they're, they're Mark Black, the NHL's vice president of international operations, said in an interview he thinks that Australia is a viable long-term market. Hey, we're going to find out. We're going to find out this weekend. Serena's like, those poor Australians, they got to watch the Kings and Coyotes. I would just be happy to watch anybody if I was them. So yeah. I don't No, I don't have a problem with who's playing over there. Um, your thoughts on the this year's global deal for the NHL? Yeah, you start by introducing hockey, and then they get to know the game, and then they get to know the players, and then you need to bring the stars over. I mean, everybody should know who Connor McDavid is, but do they really that far away? Are they really up on Connor McDavid and what's going on down there? And Austin Matthews and Le and uh, Leon Dreisaitl, I don't think it needs to be the stars. But, you know, L.A., ooh, you know, Hollywood's coming. You know, Phoenix, Arizona. I think those are cool. I think it's awesome. They can start playing street hockey. That's the right way. I don't know that you can expect them to start building hockey rinks in Sydney and Melbourne. But uh, this is cool. I think it's fun. And for the players, that would be a really cool road trip. Expansion, growing the game. If I talk any more about this, I'm going to get really angry, and I don't want to because I want to have fun on this football Friday. But you know the story. I met with the Arizona Coyotes almost 10 years ago, and, ex and the NHL didn't have an outdoor street hockey program at the time. I pitched it to the Coyotes, and guess what their president said? No, it wasn't their president. It was their vice president of marketing. I'm not going to say his name, but he's like, dumb idea. Why? Why would we want a kid playing for the L.A. Peewee street hockey team, Kings, if he's growing up in Arizona, I said, because he's not cheering for anybody now. So get him playing road hockey. Maybe they'll buy some tickets and come to the games. They'll naturally become Coyotes fans. No, dumb idea. The president of the Coyotes at the time, his name was Anthony LeBlanc. He's like, that's genius. He said, there's a slush fund in the NHL office for game development. Maybe we can apply for a grant, which they ended up doing. But no, 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 Rod's an idiot. <clears throat> you know, I'm going to be long gone and dead. And they're going to say, that guy was a genius. Oh, it's too bad. He's been dead for 10 years. When they say Our hockey covered with a chisel, and I'll put it on your tombstone <laughs> for you, okay? <laughs> the guy was a genius. But everybody thought he was crazy. Hockey coverage is brought to you by Common Crown Brewing in Calgary and Alberta. Head to the tap room Thursday through Saturday. Noon to 8 p.m. Today's one of those days. They have their own bar there. Go down and check them out or go to their website at Common Crown Brewing. We're going to, get into a, going to get into a lot more CFL with Jim Barker next and then later on in hour two. But there is a doubleheader tonight. We've been talking about these games all week. Ottawa home to Saskatchewan. Red Blacks hoping to end a seven-game slide. And they say they're going to take their frustrations out on Saskatchewan, who's favored by two at Bet Regal. That's the first game. And then the second game is the BC Lions. At Edmonton's Commonwealth Stadium, that was voted Canada's Game of the Week by our viewers. 
Um, there was a fight in practice this week for Ottawa. Darren, you're the football guy in the house. How do you feel about practice fights, and what does it say about the Ottawa Red Blacks, if anything at all? Well, there's two things. I mean, as a coach, sometimes you like it because the intensity is at an all-time high. And, you know, if your guys are frustrated, then, you know, take it out on the football field and let's go. Um, but at the same time, it almost seems like, you know, loose threads being unraveled, right? And this is a team that's coming apart at the seams. And, you know, if you're having that dissension in the locker room, I don't like it. So it's up to Bob Dice, really, on how you spin this. You know, you can, you can turn this aggression on the field into a positive and say, look, I love that you're mad. I love that you guys are bubbling over here at the surface. But now we need to channel that into the Saskatchewan Rough Riders together and we can do something great. Or you can let this be the end of your season. You guys could all come undone and fight each other and we'll lose every game the rest of the way. It's up to you in the locker room to figure out which way you want to go. That's why we play the games. That's why we love watching the games. We'll find out what it means about the Ottawa Red Blacks tonight. Our CFL coverage is brought to you in part by Sober Carpenter, non-alcoholic craft beer. Check them out at SoberCarpenter.com. Here's one for you. My club met last night at the Yard House. I don't know if you saw my stories. Also yeah. meeting was the Jewish community of South Palm Beach. They were on the other side of the club. We had our own side. I, I and, thought maybe uh, you joined a new club. <laughs> No, I, I know, right? I just took a picture of it. And then I lost my sunglasses in there. I'm like, I'm not even drinking anymore, and I'm losing my $500 sunglasses from Ray-Ban. But I found them. Um, but the reason I bring this up was my buddy Gage leaned across the table. He's like, what do you think about Prime at Oregon Saturday? And I'm like, just so you all know, this is what they're talking about in America. Forget about the NFL for the most part. It's about Dion Primetime Sanders. And I'm going to read this long before primetime came to Colorado. Oregon was the Pac-12 team that brought the hype, as I think we all know. With the Ducks' array of uniforms, state-of-the-art facilities, thanks to Nike co-founder Phil Knight and a couple of big-name quarterbacks over the past decade, Oregon has often attracted the national spotlight. So it's no wonder number 10 Oregon isn't caught up in the hype surrounding the number 19 Buffaloes and Saturday's showdown in Oregon. That's not to say Oregon doesn't have respect for the Buffs. With 68 new scholarship players, the Buffs are 3-0 and after the team won just one game all of last season. Ducks quarterback Bo Nix said, quote, it's awesome. I don't know if I've ever seen it happen before, a complete turnaround of a program that's really hard to do in college football. So I'll put it to you. I'm not sure what the spread is yet. I'll check. I could do it here on my Bet Regal app. Colorado and Oregon. Do the Buffs go to 4-0? What do you think, Rock? Clearly, we're all going to be watching. Yeah, this is the first, I think, you know, real test. TCU is a real test. Top 25 team. They went to the national championship last year, but it wasn't the national championship runner-up, okay? And Max Duggan's not there, the new quarterback. Um, but that put Colorado on the map. And with all due respect to Nebraska, who once was a powerhouse, and Colorado State, this is the first time that they're going to play a team that's firmly a top team in the country routinely year after year. Bo Nix is a top quarterback in NCAA football. I think Oregon, you're going to read the spread right away, I think Oregon is favored to win the game, should be favored to win the game, and this will be the toughest test for Prime, for Shador, for Colorado, and I don't know if they're going to come away with a win or not. 
The question is not whether Oregon wins or not. The question is by how much. The spread is 21 points for the Ducks. They're the favorites. So I guess we'll be tuning in to find out if they win by 21 or more. Or if an upset's possible. But you gotta love the hype. And by the way, Canada West football, two games tonight. Sask, Huskies at Calgary. Alberta Golden Bears are at UBC. And Saturday, the Regina Rams are at the Bisons. Uh, Moose, we'll see you next hour, and we'll get into more of all of this. See you then. Can you believe we got through all of our quick six show topics here in this warm-up? That is unreal. I knew that it was going to be a great day. Jim Barker joins us next from the CFL on TSN. We're live on the Game Plus television network, also on the radio in Atlanta, WQEE. Apple, Spotify, and YouTube Live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's a football Friday. People love it. They really do. And on the text line, which is open 902-518-3033, you can always reach us here in the Florida studio. Bomber, uh, bomber boy. He's in Calgary. He writes in. He says, death, taxes, and Jim Barker's hot takes on the RP Football Friday show. Let's go. Ken is watching in Pennsylvania, and he says, although Mr. Barker is larger than life on the TSN panel, I bet in person, off camera, he's very humble and contemplative. I don't know about that. Let's bring him in, the star of the CFL on TSN panel. Jim, I would, I've known you a long time. I would say you're exactly the same on TV as you are in real life. Agree or disagree? I would agree with that. I pretty much am, yeah. am who I am. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, yeah, I don't change much. And, I, you know, it's, it's part of what I think. I, like, I never will consider myself a media person. I just, I just can't do it. Yep. I, I consider myself a coach. A managed person who's managed and things, who's giving a different perspective of of the game and of the way you look at it and that type of thing. But no, I I'm I am who I am. Hey, and we love it. That's why you're on there. And Dunnigan says the same thing. This is no substitute for coaching or playing. Dunnigan will say it, but you guys are on there because you do a great job. No offense taken, um, although you are a media guy, Kirk. <laughs> writes in from Toronto. Kirk says, could you ask, please, Jim Barker, if he still thinks the Argos are still going to win the Grey Cup? Some of us Argo fans are nervous with the possibility of meeting Hamilton in the Eastern Final. Thank you. Well, I picked them at the beginning of the year. I was the only person on the panel that picked them to, uh, to not only win the division, but win the Grey Cup. Uh, I, I still think they have a great shot. I mean, obviously, they've got six games to play. How they handle these six games is going to be crucial. Um, Ryan Dinwiddie, since, shoot, since the beginning of last year when I was there, he handled this um, 
very much as a one week at a time deal. We're going to be one and oh this week. We're going to be one and oh this week. Uh, the problem comes in that you get a guy, you know, you, you want to give guys rests. And I think they'll be judicious in how they do that. Um, so in terms of winning the Grey Cup, I absolutely am not backing down on my prediction. Uh, I do believe they they have the best football team in the CFL. Uh, they're, and their record proves it. You are what your record says you are. And this is an 11-1 football team. No Toronto Argonaut team in, what, 140 years has ever been 11-1. So that, that speaks volumes. And again, it gets overshadowed. Trey Ford's story is huge in, in the CFL. And, um, you know, it's an exciting story. But to have a first-year quarterback take a team to an 11-1 record, uh, which is basically the same team as last year. There, there are really no huge changes. Michael, um, uh, I, Isaiah Cage is playing left tackle, but he's been in and out in Tremont Tate, who played last year, is there. Uh, obviously, um, Bladek is down, who was a, a high-priced player. He's been replaced by Darius Sirocco. But other than that, the offensive line's intact. The receiving core is basically the same. Um, Cam Phillips has stepped in for Markeith Ambles, but uh, the other pieces of it are the same. A.J. Ouellette started the season and not even on the team. Well, he he lost his spot for a a bit, but then came on and proved what he can do toward the end of the season. But for the most part, the offense is the same. The defense is younger and faster, and that always gives you a chance when you get better on defense. And I think they did get better on defense. Uh, Again, they're going through some injury issues like everybody, Um, and they have a chance now to be judicious in who they play. But I think they still have a long way to go to get to that point they they're just their consistency on both sides of the ball i think on offense there's times when they just seem to stymie themselves and on defense they get a lead and they sometimes fall back and then or they fall behind and now they say okay we got to play play better and they step up and do it so they've in terms of complementary football they've truly done that when their special teams need to step up they've stepped up so uh again i think they're the most complete team in the league right now and uh, I would not back down on my pick of them to win well, a breakup. Yeah, I don't know where to go with this because the you know the ba- the big base of CFL fans are in Western Canada, but there's also mm-hmm. millions of CFL fans in Eastern Canada that don't get the coverage. So we'll try and cover it all here in the time that we have with you in Montreal and Hamilton. It's a battle for second place, and they don't feel like good teams. Yet their records aren't tar- terrible. They have the same amount of wins as Sask. So what right. do you think of the Owls and Ticats? Well, again, it's like this game, the, the game tomorrow, the first game, Montreal playing Calgary is really interesting for Hamilton, who is the last game of the week, because you, got, you have Calgary who's, who's behind them trying to get the crossover, and then you have them tied with Montreal. Obviously. I personally believe Hamilton is the better team right now than Montreal. Um, Montreal has a lot of positive things going for it. Hamilton has, again, some question marks, but they're getting guys back, and I just, I just believe that they're, they're the better team. It's going to be interesting. I think they have a great opportunity tomorrow against the Argos. I think it's a great challenge for the Argos. A.J. Ouellette's not going to play. They're going to play Deontay McMahon in the backfield. Um, who again, you know, he's a great little runner. 
but it's going to be his first time ever playing a real CFL game. And, and with some of the, the different kinds of things at Hamilton, I know Orlando Steinauer and Mark Washington, they'll have some things dialed up um, that will be difficult for the young running back. Uh, you know, so I think they're going to keep Cam Phillips out another week and uh, Curly Gittens is out. So, again, you're trying to get a young quarterback in Chad Kelly who's really, he's basically started 12 games, finished 11 of them, and won them all this year. Uh, you can't really ask a lot more of a young quarterback, but he needs to continue to grow. He needs to continue to see the kinds of things he's going to see in this game tomorrow with Hamilton. So I think it's a big game for Toronto, even though they don't need to win it. It's no big, but I think it's a big game just in terms of of them moving forward in terms of themselves, in terms of themselves. Uh, for Hamilton, obviously, it's huge, depending on what happens with Montreal and Calgary. Either way, if Montreal was to win, then Hamilton needs to win to keep pace. And should Calgary win, Hamilton needs to win to keep that cushion for the uh, so there's no crossover. So yeah, you know it's kind of an intriguing weekend in that in that sense. And then the games tonight, yeah. really interesting. Yeah, right. Well, every game's a playoff game. That's how I feel right now. The rest of the way, we're in the playoffs now, basically. And um, I welcome our viewers. There's a lot of questions about the Argos. Would you see what I said? There's millions of fans in Eastern Canada. They don't get the coverage. They come here because they want to talk about CFL football. So, again, I don't know where to go because we don't have a ton of time with you, Jim. Um, but I'll say this. Edmonton winning in Sask last week created chaos in the Western Conference. Chaos. If Sask had won, wow. they'd have pretty much locked down a spot. Also, with BC, with Ottawa finding a way. Ever since I picked Ottawa on your show, to come out and beat Hamilton after that three-day prep run-in and the game was, I, I just figured this is Ottawa's off. Ever since then, I've lost all faith in them. And, and again, I think they have a great opportunity tonight against Sask. I think Sask is beat up. They're off, their defensive line is not going to be what it is and or what it's been. Uh, Cordy Moore is going to get a start. Uh, Blake is starting tonight, but like I said last week, I think as soon as you move him to tackle, you know, if, if either one of those starting tackles for Saskatchewan offensive tackles were standouts, uh, you know, either either counts. If either one of them were standouts, I'd, I'd say great, but neither one of them are. And Blake gives you so much ratio flexibility on defense where I think they need it. Um, you know, at this point, they're going to move Moncrief back to safety and they're going to play a, 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 def, a Canadian on the front, either Cordy Moore or Dabeyer. And then they're going to play Micah Tights. And I just think they could do so much by um, moving Blake in. And Evan Johnson has struggled. You know, he, he has trouble getting his hands in. And, you know, people get into him and push him back into the quarterback. But I'm not sure the drop-off there is as much as how good they could be on defense if they didn't have, have that, uh, you know, that ratio issue that they're, again, they're dealing with differently tonight. And it'll be, it'll be interesting to watch. So. Uh, that game's that game's a very interesting one, Saskatchewan and Ottawa. I just I can't pick Ottawa ever again after that, after after that, and then after last week, that was to me it was one of the worst calls I've ever seen. Trying to kick a fifty-yard field goal when you're up by ten, it just puts you up by thirteen. It's still a two-score game. Yeah, field goal could tie it, and, but I honestly, when he lined up for the field goal. I was really excited because one of the things that we used to always do with Don Matthews was we practiced the kicker kicking it out of bounds. 
like down inside the 10 or the five. Nobody does that anymore, but it's much more accurate to kick the ball out of bounds than it is to, to punt it. Punting it, you know, your ball goes into the end zone, all those things. Uh, again, they could have punted it into the end zone. If it goes into the end zone, they, they end up uh, making a, they've got to score two touchdowns. Kicking the field goal just made zero sense. You know, uh, again, Lewis Ward had made a couple from 50, but that's not his forte. His forte is a 45 in, and any time you miss a field goal in the CFL over 45 yards, you better. As a coach, I can tell you, because I've been through it, your fanny gets so tight every single, that ball's in the air, and then you see it fading, and you see that returner moving out, and I'm telling you, there is nothing worse than the feeling of your big fat guys running down, trying to tackle that little receiver, and oh my gosh, that's, <laughs> and it, it came to fruition for, for them last week, so that well, was how, a shame. How about this? Species. BC Edmonton, I'm a, can you not talk about that? I mean, that's that's just, you know, Trey Ford against a BC defensive line and defense that's fast. I don't think they're real physical. I don't think they're they're great against the run, um, but they are fairly fast, and that, that can help them with Trey Ford. But Trey Ford's been magic. I was just going to say about Bobby Dice. He's been questioned all week long about that call, and I was on Ottawa radio this week talking about it. Coaches never admit that they made the wrong call. Ken Miller was like the only guy that would ever admit he made the wrong call in a situation. It's the way coaches are. Did you expect him to say, yeah, I blew it? You don't hear no. it very often. <laughs> no, because, you know, the bottom line is the players in there have to believe he's going to make the right call. And, you know, sometimes you make those kind of calls. I had one my first game as the head coach in Calgary where we're playing the defending Grey Cup champion Alouettes that I had coached with the year before. And we have a third and one with a, it's an overtime and we can either tie it and go into another overtime or go for it. And we went for it and I took, I mean, Joe Sports, who, you know, uh, Colin Smith, who was just a good, good friend. He and I had a radio show there in 2004. He, he said, he, when he passed away, he was on his, on his bed, and he said, Jim, that's the worst call I've ever seen in my entire life. And I, I to this day, say, I, you know what? I would do it again. Um, obviously, there are mm. calls you always think back and say, maybe I shouldn't have done that. But no, I'm not, and I'm not begrudging Bobby for making that call. I mean, that's a call you have to make. For me, I thought it was an awful call. And that's just my opinion, and I'm entitled to it. And and uh, but again, um, Bob Dice has, has earned the right to be the head coach there. He's earned the right to make that decision, and that means you've earned the right to be scrutinized, which is what makes the CFL so great. Because you and I can sit on here and we can scrutinize every single thing that's done. Oh yeah, and those coaches love it so much. <laughs> hey, Jim, we've reached the end of our time. I appreciate it as always. Enjoy the ball. We'll be watching. We'll catch up with you next week. Thanks, Rod. Loved it. The CFL on TSN's Jim Barker. By the way, Jim represented by EMJ Marketing. When we talk about EMJ Marketing, they'll provide the perfect keynote speaker for your event. That includes Jim. Look up Joe at emjmarketing.com.
We're going stateside when we return to Seattle. Reed Johnson from the Mark Cast will join us on this Football Friday, and it's always great talking to him. We're live on the Game Plus Television Network, WQEE Radio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube Live. from Paradise on a Football Friday, 902-518-3033. The EMJ Marketing text line is open. Week three in the NFL, week four in college football. We're going to get to all of those more so in hour two when the Moose rejoins. Always a pleasure to be joined by Reed Johnson. He is the host of America's premier CFL podcast. Loves to talk what he calls alternative leagues. What's going on, Reed? Looks like a beautiful day in the Pacific Northwest. Rod, time is a flat circle here. We are talking mergers again. And when the Rocks, you know, United Super Football League takes over North America. Remember the CFL, you had your chance. We're moving on. Oh, you you woke up today choosing violence. Is that where we're going? So I'll say, hey, by the way, because you do host these XFL, CFL podcasts, dabbling in the USFL, you're not anti-NFL, though, are you? You're, you're a Commanders fan. I'm a left hand up, 2-0 two, two here right now. We're going to go and be Buffalo at home. Can't wait. All right, Buffalo's going to come in. We're going to win. Can't wait. Okay, gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So I, the, you know why we had you on. The stories came out this week that the XFL and the USFL are going to merge, that we're days away from an announcement. They're further down the line. They're not just talking about talking, as people say. Um, your thoughts on this development? Really kind of came out of nowhere, and that was the weird thing. And if you look at kind of the wording of it, when the CFL, when all that started, it was, uh, we're talking about growing the game together. And we all, everybody went crazy, and the merging, and the joint forces. This, the report from Axios came out Tuesday. I was day three of filming this conference, driving in, I get a text. Uh, it, it says, you know, XFL and USFL to merge. They, they, they've been meeting, the report's out. Uh, from Mike Mitchell, one of our XFL insiders, is these meetings have been going on since July. Uh, very few people within uh, both the XFL and the USFL kind of know what's going on. It seems like it's a kind of the select few up in the ivory tower. I mean, I know we have uh, staff, player personnel, social media people watching our shows, talking to us, trying to figure out what's going on because uh, information is not widely available right now, even if you're within either of these two leagues. Sure. But what does it mean? It does. Well, it doesn't scream to me of a, a outstanding success from either the USFL or the XFL last year. We know that the USFL publicly was on the record. Daryl Johnston saying they were disappointed in the growth that they had from year one to year two, both in uh, you know TV ratings and with attendance and the markets moving into more hubs. Because remember, they they play in select cities and they kind of have multiple teams in each of those hubs. Uh, XFL, there was a report out from Forbes. They lost sixty million, which has been refuted, if that's higher or lower than it should have been. Obviously, they're starting from scratch where Fox has a lot of that. So it doesn't, it doesn't scream to me that either one was super joyous about how season one or two for the USFL ended up. And they said, hey, maybe we shouldn't be fighting with each other here. Like maybe 
maybe this is too niche for kind of both of us to do this on our own. Fair, fair. Well, I, I follow all the coverage. I, I have not chimed in. I'm talking about social media here. But I love the people that say, can we now say three times failed XFL? Because I think you reported the name will change. So where are you on that? And is Arash doing a victory lap somewhere as we speak? Yeah, if Arash learned how to tie his shoes at the state of the CFL press conference with Randy Ambrosi, maybe that would be a fresh start with that. No, I mean, it's it's weird to me that both of these leagues, you know, Danny and The Rock spent the money to bring the XFL out of bankruptcy, bought off the debt. USFL, obviously, and we covered at nauseum uh, last, or was it two summers ago, kind of going through all their trademark debacles and acquiring the trademark and getting sued from the old USFL. And we had... Uh, we had Jim uh, Erhart on our show, kind of the, the previous, uh, uh, he was, I guess, the president of that league back in the 80s when it folded. So it's weird to me that you would spend, you know, the better part of the two, three years acquiring, doing all this on either side and then saying, yeah, we're just going to move on from that. I don't, I, I'm glad that we are not a brand centric uh, podcast title. I'm glad we have moved on from that. But I know that there's a lot of like XFL, USFL based, whatever uh, websites, media that could be, you know, could be a little panicky right now. Well, you know, it's interesting you say the CFL, you had your chance. I'm in your camp. I was in favor of a merger and got soundly trounced so badly, I moved to South Florida. So, yeah, um, I don't think the CFL wants to merge. So why they ever even brought it up, I've said this, is it was to distract us from the fact they were canceling their season. And it worked. 100%. Um, because the question, the elephant in the room is, why does spring football in America struggle? That's the question. You know, and I think they're hopefully trying to figure it out. I think they learned this year XFL airing February through April, and then the USFL, they had overlap April through July. A uh, lot of lot of football fatigue, uh, both both here in our household with my wife, and then I think just across America, I think that's a lot to ask. Of like, okay, you, you just got done with the Super Bowl. We're launching the next week. The teams aren't quite as good. You don't quite know the players. I mean, obviously, we're supporting all of these guys getting jobs and get, you know getting roles and all of this stuff. But uh, it, it's a lot to ask. And then by the time you kind of get through the US of season to July, you go. I'm really kind of done. I mean, we podcast every week covering all the games. We've had Andy on and Pat, and now we do our CFL coverage. I mean, I've been doing weekly recaps for alternate, you know, including CFL on that since February. I mean, it's a lot. So I think, like I said, they figured maybe we can, as opposed to pointing the guns at each other, maybe we can, you know, unify here that if we are truly in this, you know, for the love of football, getting players opportunities, maybe we should do better by you know, positioning ourselves in a way that's going to increase our viewership for the players as well. It's interesting. Evan's watching in Brandon. He says, I got so much heat for being on the side of the CFL merger. He says, football fatigue is quitter talk. LOL. Uh, Nelson, our VP of Sim Events, says, people need a break. And the CFL is the sweet spot to get people back into football watching shape. Maybe, 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 Reed. But, I mean, I'm sitting here 40 miles north of Miami. There was a high school game last night on ESPN2. I don't know if you noticed. Miami Central versus Chaminade Madonna. It was on ESPN2. All the major college coaches were there. Like, that's... you. There's 20,000 people showing up for a 9-and-under football game in Lake Worth. You can see why people would think you, they can't get enough of it. What's football fatigue? I've never heard of it. I, 
I, you know, to me, when the USFL came out last year and said they were disappointed with their growth from year one to year two, I could very much tell them why that that was that way. I don't think that, I don't know. I think that people come into this space and they think that maybe they know more or, well, this has failed before and we're going to do something different and we're not going to make the same mistakes. But, uh, you know, we've been covering this for four years now. Like, I, I, I can tell you what's going to work. I can tell you what's not. I can tell you why people were disappointed by season two of the USFL and season one of the XFL. Yeah, for sure. Um, one thing, though, on the merger, so you, we feel that it's happening, but what I've also read is that not every team's going to survive. Do you know much about this? Yeah, so they're, they're reporting out, and again, this is via Mike Mitchell, kind of our insider, is it, it kind of if you have stadiums in place, right, USFL, they operated through, they had four hubs last year. They were in Canton, Ohio. They were in Detroit. They were in Memphis and they were in Birmingham, uh, Alabama. Uh, those teams feel safe. They need to get a team in Canton. They're kind of playing the mishmash of teams there. And then the XFL teams, Vegas Vipers is, is already been chronicled online. Obviously uh, it was not a successful situation at Cashman field, the former high school, uh, or whatever soccer stadium there. So uh, they were already on the way out. They, we had already, it was officially already announced via XFL that they were moving to a new venue, wherever that was going to be. Sounds like the Vipers are out. Sounds like the Roughnecks based out of Texas are out because USFL already has a Houston Gamblers team, even though it's never played in Houston. Uh, the idea would be that they would play at Rice Field there and take the place of that. Because in my opinion, you can't, you can't have uh, seven XFL teams and one USFL team. I think you need to have a little bit more of a of a of a collaboration here. Uh, Mike's pointing uh, ten teams total. I think is the number we've been hearing, but that that changes every day. But currently, the understanding is ten to twelve teams, which uh, obviously is leaving a lot of fan bases upset. And the league will be called what? Uh, the joke that we've had was the National Spring Football League. That was the holding company that the Fox had last year when they were acquiring all the USFL trademarks. I think that's kind of jokey. I don't think the National Football League would allow a National Spring Football League, if you know anything about the Shield. But we don't know. I mean, we've always just joked and called it like the USXFL or whatever. But uh, I don't know. Start trademarking your uh, three-letter uh, you know, websites and domains and stuff. I, I, I don't know. But I, I do not think it's the National Spring Football League. But that has been circulated. Well, this is great. Evan and Brandon writes that he says, nothing but love for Reed. He's the GOAT for XFL, USFL coverage. James in Borden, Manitoba says, I wish the CFL would hire someone like Reed to help expand in the U.S. They don't want to expand into the United States. That's the point. That's the whole point. Yes. Brad, at least you at least you got a backpack and a hat. I saw your wonderful media package that you got sent. You know, I've had Ambrose, he's been on the show three times, called himself a friend of the show. I can't even get a follow back from the CFL. That's how little they, they interact with me on Twitter. Weekly recaps here and you know, 15,000 views for our Grey Cup show last year. Beat the league. Beat the league's Grey Cup show. But uh, yeah, that's fine. We don't, we're, we're good on our own. <laughs> but you had to point that out. Reed, you are an absolute gem. I appreciate you. Give my best to your wonderful wife and enjoy the ball this weekend. Rod, I have a still have a Jordan Eberly crack and bobblehead for you. Whenever I see you in person next, I have it reserved. We've talked about this before, but next time I don't know if you're going to be in Hamilton. We'll be there, but uh, next time I see you in person, I have that to hand you because I want to give it to you face to face. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate that. We'll talk. Okay, Reed, appreciate you, bro. 
Reid Johnson from Seattle from the Mark Cast. We'll be right back. I got a lot of things to say in audience takeover and a sports update, too. We're live on a football Friday on the Game Plus Television Network, WQEE, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube Live. As always, it's just big fun on a football Friday coming to you from beautiful Boca Raton, Florida. Look it up. All our college teams are on the road this weekend. Uh, but that's okay. There's still plenty to do. Moose will be back in hour two. Uh, things are going to take an exciting upturn for us here. Ah, they were exciting as it was, but I'm going to tell you why I'm just tired of dealing with people's opinions. And if you thought I was outspoken before... Hold on to your bingo cards because I'm really going to let fly with it. For instance, saying on Twitter that global kickers and punters in the CFL are costing Canadian kickers their jobs. People are writing me to argue about that. Don't argue with me about it. It's happening. And I'm not the biggest union guy. Historically, I have not. But having said that, I'm not anti-union either. I probably should have been in a union for years. Would have saved me a hell of a lot of strife, mental abuse, and made me more money. So I'm not anti-union. But do not tell me that there's Canadian kickers and punters out of work right now. Don't tell me that it's not the case because the CFL's got Australian kickers or English kickers. Because that, that's a fact. So don't argue with me on it. And I see people writing in about, oh, it's a trend. The NFL kickers are all coming from Australia. I don't care. Are we here to develop Australians? Is that what we're doing? Inclusivity? Then that's fine. Let's say that that's what we're doing then. And then others saying, well, just because there's a global kicker, it opens up a national spot somewhere else. I said, what I said was, Canadian kickers and punters are out of work because of this. Where, where are you not picking up on that? Sports update, the Toronto Blue Jays open a three-game series on the road against the Tampa Bay Rays tonight. Toronto currently holds the second of three American League wildcard spots and is a half game up on the Mariners and Rangers. Dallas Cowboys corner Trayvon Diggs tore the ACL in his left knee in a practice Thursday. A major setback for a defense off to a great start in 2023. He's tied for the NFL lead. And interceptions with 18 since coming in in 2020. But you know what? The Dolphins are 2-0 uh, and without Jalen Ramsey. I think the Cowboys should be okay, but he's the best in the NFL. Uh, hey, scoreboard tonight. What do we got? I got to mention, in the dub, because I'm such a junior hockey fan, Regina at Brandon, Medicine Hat at Calgary, Swift Current at Lethbridge, Moose Jaw at PA, Edmonton at Red Deer, Spokane at Kalmoops, Tri-City at PG, Victoria at Vancouver, Portland at Wenatchee. If you're around any of those games, buy a ticket. We're brought to you by Common Crown Brewing Company. They have the perfect craft beer for your enjoyment. Check out, uh, check out the tap room today, noon till 8. Hour 2 is on deck right after this brief pause.